Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. That is right. You're in the huddle. I am Vinny Bonsignor. This show is brought to you by uh, Tequila Embajador. And by the way, we've got some uh, some... Some big announcements coming with uh, with Tequila Embajador about some things that we've got planned uh, for the upcoming season. Can't wait to share it with you. It's uh, it's closing in. We're getting closer and closer and closer uh, to uh, to that, and uh, we all are, are are happy about that. And the the fact that things are getting back to normal <laughs> a little bit here. Uh, we're not all the way back, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but hearing today, um, you know, Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, talking about how. The Raiders are going to uh, head out to Thousand Oaks during training camp for some joint practices. It's not official yet. There's some some um, wrinkles to iron out, and plus a lot of it is predicated on really all of it is predicated on you know what the protocols are going to be, where California is going to be in terms of COVID nineteen and all that. But it sure looks like that is the plan, and it looks like more likely than not they're going to be able to pull it off. And it's just another sign uh, that we're getting back uh, to, to normal, and we're all happy about that. And I'm sure our next guest uh, is, is, is uh, as happy as anybody, um, and w- without a doubt. And we're uh, pleased to welcome in uh, to the huddle our good friend Mike Pritchard, uh, who is also the uh, the co-host of the morning show with uh, uh, Clay, Clay and uh, Pritch. Um, was it seven to seven to nine? Is it, uh, uh, Mike, uh, that you guys are on? Uh, it's so early in the morning that I, I don't even like to think about things that early in the morning. But first and foremost, thanks for joining us, man. I hope hope all is well. Oh, all is good, man. Thanks for the invite. I think uh, it's seven to ten, and I hear that's what it is. I mean, sometimes yeah, that, that early morning it, it rolls around, but uh, uh, we're ready to go, man. We're ready to kick it off uh, for the whole lineup uh, all day. Yeah, no question about it. I'm glad you're you're you're, you're on because uh, for for a number of reasons uh, that I want to get into. But you know, today there was a little bit of breaking news, I guess you might want to call it. But uh, it looks like the plan is for the Raiders and Rams uh, to get together for for a joint practice. I've covered my share of joint practices. I think they're excellent. Um, I think it just it just really drives up the uh, the level of play, the level of uh, engagement. Um, everybody's antennas go up a little bit higher uh, during during joint practices. Um, from, from a player's perspective, what more do you get out of it uh, when when it's another helmet, another jersey, another name, another player uh, staring uh, back at you, even though it's a practice setting? But what more can you get out of it when it's that kind of a situation? Oh, you get so much more out of it, uh, Vinny. It's true competition, and it's. Um uh, you know, when you're practicing against the fellas in your own locker room, the, the thing is, is you're competitive and you want to beat them, you want to win, but yet you're still going to your locker room, right? I mean, you're still hanging out, you're still going out to eat, lunch, dinner, whatever, uh, with your teammate. Uh, so even though it's competitive and, and coaches try their best, they try their hardest to, to make it as competitive as it can be, uh, it's just not the same if it was somebody else with a different headgear or different uniform, like you mentioned. So um, they're going to their locker room, you're going to yours, and you want to beat them down, man. And, and I think I think it's the purest form of competitiveness without a game being played. Because we all know it's not going to be game speed. I mean, sometimes you're going to go out there a little uh, 100% or whatever. You're not going to probably tackle. You're not going to go full go. 
Uh, but but you can't help yourself because you want to be competitive. So you get a little bit more out of it, uh, Vinny, and certainly uh, it's more enjoyable as well. Yeah, and I, I can attest to that because I remember a couple of years ago the Rams went out to uh, Maryland to practice against the Ravens, and um, it was in Owings Mill, uh, Maryland. There were fans there. It was hot as you know what in, in August in Maryland. Mike knows all about that. Um, the humidity and everything like that. It was just one of those draining kind of days, but there was a, I want to say it was a rookie wide receiver, Mike, for the Ravens, who makes a nice catch. Uh, it does a little dance on the sideline, and it was later on in practice, and so guys were getting tired and testy. And the Rams saw that, and it didn't sit well with him. And on the very next play, that dude got waylaid out. I mean, he got just blasted. And it was kind of like, oh, sorry, you know, wasn't, you know, but you could tell that that competitiveness had taken over. Like, even in a practice, they weren't going to allow those shenanigans to happen. And you just sense that throughout the practice. And, and this is going to be the case when, when the Rams and Raiders get together. McVay is very competitive. Gruden's very competitive. Their friends, their families go way back. John Gruden gave Sean McVay, um, you know, his start in the NFL. So even from that vantage point, I guarantee you the you know what's going to be flying the and being talked and and the smack talk's going to be going on. So it should be a really good environment. But like you said, it's also a productive environment. It, it really is. I mean, it gives you a true depiction of where you're at, a true evaluation. I mean, we all get tired of training camp. I mean, I'm sure you know after a few days or after a few weeks. Uh, it's the same thing, and you just want that variety. So uh, if you can get that variety in the form of a joint practice with another team, and, and, and it's understood that you're going to take care of each other. Yeah, we're going to be competitive. Uh, we're going to get our work in. We're going to get a lot done, but we're going to take care of each other too because everybody's trying to survive until we get to the regular season. Uh, and if that's understood, it can be highly, highly productive. And then at the end, uh, you know, you, you look back at everything and, and you feel that much more prepared. So uh, it could be a good thing. I've seen it go the other way too, though, Vinny. I've seen fights break out all the time. And then, okay, look, we got to call this off. <laughs> this joint practice and stuff isn't working. So uh, hopefully the fact that Coach Gruden, uh, Coach McVay, I mean, they're friends and, you know, they'll, they'll convey that to the fellas and uh, they'll all get their work in without uh, any incidents out there. By the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not sure if any young players are listening, but if there's any young listeners that are in college or whatever the case might be, always remember this too. And Mike, I know, knows this. Eyes are always on you. And I say that to say this. It, there was a guy that the Rams ended up signing um, off, of the Ra- off of the Ravens practice squad um, who they liked before and all that, but they, he really played well in that pra- practice. And they literally, in those two practices, and they literally talked about how, man, we really noticed him in those joint practices. So never assume that nobody's watching you, whether it's your own coaching staff or the one across the uh, sideline, because you're always being evaluated and you can always make a strong impression and an impression that, could really turn, you know, uh, uh, be big dividends for you. That player now is a starting cornerback for the Rams. Um, so he, he literally helped himself in that situation, and he probably had no idea that he was doing that, not for his own audience, but an audience right across the uh, line of scrimmage. So oh, always yeah, keep... absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. so, um, and I'm sure, you know, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's, you're so right with that. I mean, uh, the reps are so limited, too, because, you know, you're trying to get everybody ready. You're trying to prepare. You're trying to get guys enough opportunities to make the team. 
uh, and there's only so many opportunities out there, even even during a preseason game. But during joint practices, you find a way to have a little bit more uh, production, a little bit more reps out there for the young guys, and uh, they get into it. Uh, and then there's time to shine, too. But they're also on tape, Vinny. Uh, and, and anytime you step out on the field, you got to realize you're always on tape. Somebody somewhere is filming you, evaluating you, uh, and just want to see your progression. Uh, some, some guys, they lose sight of that. You know, they, they take it for granted, too. Uh, even in film, you know, watching tape uh, in, in, in your classroom with the, with the position coach. I mean, everything you do is being evaluated just because everybody's trying to do the same thing, and that's win a Super Bowl. Question, by the way, the, the player is Darius Williams, and he's turned himself into a really, really good player. Um, so uh, always keep that in mind. All right, so that is a couple of months down the line on the Horizon tra- uh, training camp. Um, what's going on right now is kind of setting the stage for training camp, um, you know, with these OTAs. And uh, I wanted to, uh, to to bring you back to yesterday uh, and Cleve Farrell, uh, the Raiders' uh, third year, now going into his third year defensive end, talking about how um, he's sick of losing and we're sick of losing. And I made the point in, in the previous segment that I really like that for this reason, Mike. Um, sometimes as a young player, you're still kind of trying to find your way and, and you know, um, not ruffle any feathers, not say the wrong thing, and just try to be quiet as you go about your business. But eventually that kind of turns a little bit and a young player starts becoming a veteran and they start finding their voice and their confidence to express themselves a little bit more than they may have in the past. I really took what Clee Farrell said yesterday about their sick of losing as a sign that he's starting to transition into no more young player, but a veteran player who's willing to express himself uh, in that matter. I take that as a positive. Um, what, what would you say ab- about that, and especially what he was talking about? Well, I loved it, Vinny. I mean, uh, I wouldn't even been mad if that would have happened last year for Cleve Farrell. Not the 2020 season, but the 2019 season as a rookie. Uh, I mean, when you're a fourth overall pick, um, that that attitude, I think, can help you in so many ways because people are going to size you up anyway. People are going to judge you anyway. Oh, man, look at this guy. He's a top five pick. And, and so you have a lot to live up to. And, you know, a lot of guys aren't prepared for it sometimes. Mentally, Benny, I'm not talking about physically. I mean, physically, that guy's a beast, man. I've, I've seen him take on Quentin Nelson his rookie year and, and go toe-to-toe with the, one of the best offensive linemen we've seen in a long time. Yes, sir. Um, so... It's not. It's not the physical prowess. I mean, it's not that. It's. It's a lot of it is mental because you know we're grown ass men out there, uh, and you're getting sized up. You're getting judged, as well as the fact that hey man, you're you're immensely talented. So, I think mentally for a lot of young guys, they they, you know, standing back. You know, they don't want to be out front because they're afraid of of maybe somebody saying something to them or or if they make a mistake, all of a sudden they're gonna get called out. Um, my, my thing is, he's coming from a winning program, national championships. He, he's got the pedigree, right? He, he's set physically, mentally. And all he's got to do is get over this, this thing called the National Football League. So I'll take you into my rookie year. My rookie year um, off a national championship, I was the MVP of the team. And uh, we're getting our behinds whipped, Vinny, by the Washington football team. And I'm, you know, I make a play or two, and you know, I get to the sideline all enthusiastic. I'm like, yeah, man, we can get back into this. Let's go, let's go. And there was a veteran player on the team 
highly touted veteran player, Heisman Trophy winner even, um, he told me to shut the blank up because we get paid tomorrow. And, I mean, you have that dynamic, man. You have some old, uh, grizzled uh, veterans that they didn't do a lot of winning, and then here you come uh, as a first-rounder or highly touted player, and you've got a different level of energy and enthusiasm. And so it's conflicting to some people. It's threatening to veterans, to be honest with you. But as a young player, man, you put on that hat. You know, Cleese Farrell walked across that stage as the fourth overall pick for the Raiders. So for him to assert himself, man, I think a lot of people will get in line after that, to be honest with you. I agree with you. Uh, And by the way, uh, Mike, you just mentioned coming off the national championship season. I got to ask you this. Uh, you just you just jogged my memory. Uh, uh-huh. Full disclosure, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Oh, are, <laughs> are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, your, that national championship? Did come at the expense of Notre Dame? Did it not? It did. Okay, now did. before you go any further, and I have a friend uh, or an acquaintance that was on the field. Uh, your tight end, uh, Fourier, right? Um, Christian Fourier. Christian. Okay. And um, I, when I asked him this question, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and smiled and kind of laughed, actually. But let me ask you this. Did, was there a clip on that play <laughs> on, the, on the Rocket uh, Ishmael's um, return for a touchdown on the punt return? 1,000 points. Oh! <laughs> One th- not 100, Penny. Tons down by 10. Oh, oh, oh. You're hurting me. Well, you know what? I'll, I can get um, the guys who got clips on the line for you. Uh, oh, all right. I mean, yeah, you don't have to go to those that depth. But, uh, okay. that that all yeah. right. Because all these years, I've been questioning that call, Mike. I mean, I have to admit, I've been questioning that call. It was a heartbreaker. It, it was. I mean, it was an amazing run. You talked to uh, the Rocket about it a long time ago. I talked to, uh, to, to uh, his brother about it before. Uh, and, you know, what was interesting about it is it happened right at the play. Um, yeah. So if it was away from the play, I, I honestly don't think uh, they would have called it, to be honest with you. Um, but it was an incredible run. I'm not going to take it away from the Rocket. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that was nuts that we even kicked it to him. Because the whole game, the whole game plan, and the whole game before that, we were kicking it away. We had Tom Ruin. He was an All-American. Yep. Um, you remember him from the National Football League. I know a lot of people do. And yep. uh, Man, he was crushing the ball. He was just keeping it away from him. And what had happened was we had we were right around midfield, and there was a little bit of time left, and we wanted our defense to be on the field because Coach Mack. I mean, they were shutting down Rick Meyer, and you know Ricky Waters was on that team. Jerome Bettis was a freshman. It was a great team. team. And, it was a great team. Yeah, it was a great team. Todd Light. I mean, all these guys, right? And so we had shut them down pretty much, and, and so instead of risking a shank. He told Tom to just kick it away, thinking Tom was going to kick it out the end zone. Right. And he did it. I mean, he kicked it to, like, inside the 10-yard line. The Rocket just fielded it to punt, though. <laughs> and, the, and once he fielded the punt, man, the, the rest was history in terms of the run that he made. So, yeah, it was just an incredible moment. But well, i got to say, and I know Colorado isn't, quote-unquote, the West Coast, but for, a, 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 you know, somebody growing up basically on the, on the West Coast, if Notre Dame was going to lose, um, I, I was glad that it was a team on this side of the uh, on, on this side of the hemisphere because 
you know, I, I always feel like the West Coast football, aside from USC, you know, they've done their thing, uh, but it doesn't always get, you know, the credit or the accolades that, that, that it deserves. And so, you know, for, for Colorado to win it, uh, I, I was able to tip my cap because of that, that very thing. So, uh, but thank you for clearing that up. I, I'm not necessarily sure I buy it. But uh, but I'll, I'll I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. <laughs> We're talking to Mike Pritchard, um, and he's the co-host uh, with Pritchard and Clay, seven a.m. to ten uh, a.m. here uh, on, on Raider Nation Radio. Those were good days, by the way. I love there was so, so much good football uh, uh, back in that day. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so 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 Mike. As we're going through these OTAs, uh, and you heard what Richie Incognito said yesterday about, hey, yeah, we took the vote, yeah, we put the statement out, um, kind of backing the players' union, but in reality, when we got together, we understood we needed to be in there and and work uh, and get the work in. Um, I, I thought it was, it showed, you know, obviously Richie being the leader that he is, uh, but but even beyond that, in, in, in people that I w- was talking to, that was the sense that I was getting like hours after that vote. Like there's no way this young team that is trying to push further uh, ahead and, and coming off the kind of year that they had the year before, I didn't think there was any chance that the Raiders weren't going to be out there. Um, and the fact that this young team is out there, what do you make of, of, of that? And, and at the very least, um, the dedication that it shows to try to get better in order to make sure next this season doesn't turn uh, sour like last season did. I think it's a great start, Vinny. I mean, uh, the fellows seem to be all on the same page uh, as opposed uh, to their own page. You know, if we're going to do something, let's do it collectively. Let's do it as a team. And uh, even though the team will come together in training camp, I think it's great uh, the fact that they want to compete and and start the clock early enough. Uh, And to be honest with you, Vinny, I don't know if any one of those players with the Raiders can find any better facility to train in other than Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Yeah. So th- that would have been my message. I'm like, man, where are you going to go uh, to find a better place to train at? Where are you going to go to get acclimated to this heat and get yourself ready? Uh, what facility are you going to be able to find that's going to be better than what we have right here? So uh, I think uh, that was understood. That was one of the reasons why the Raiders moved to Vegas. I mean, not only Allegiant Stadium, uh, your own stadium, State of the Art, the best stadium in the National Football League, but... Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center is as good as it gets, man. And uh, I think you can get a lot of quality work in from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And, and then on top of that, uh, you get to fine-tune your game, too, because you're going to have a competitive environment out there. You know, you also brought up a good point, um, and, and it kind of duct tapes into, into this as well. And I think this is going to help uh, the Raiders, you know, as, as the years uh, go on. Just the fact that... This is, you know, here in Las Vegas, it's, it's a much more cost-effective place to live. We, we, we understand that. Um, I lived in Southern California. The Raiders were situated up in Northern California. Go find a re- two regions that are more expensive to live in uh, than those two areas. And, and here's the thing. I know these guys get paid a lot of money, but, you know, they, they're also, they want to save money and they want to make their money last. And part of that is not necessarily being able to live in a place like the Bay Area or Los Angeles year-round, so you don't have access because you're not even around to be able to tap into it. Whereas I think now, the sense that I'm getting is a whole bunch of players, Mike, are living year-round in this area because it is so cost-effective. Um, and am I wrong to think that that could actually benefit 
the Raiders in the long run, that guys are going to be around here uh, on a year-round basis more than they were maybe in the past? No, you're not wrong at all, Vinny. I mean, um, to take you back um, in my day when I was playing, uh, of course, I'm from Vegas, so uh, in order to get some tax benefits, you know, where do you live? Can you prove that you live in a state with no state income tax the majority of the time? Uh, and if you can prove that, then you get a tax break that way. And so um, a lot of guys, they stayed away from the facility for those reasons. Um, whether Whatever state you chose to have your home state be in, I mean, you had to prove that, hey, you know, you, you spend a lot of time there in that state, majority of your time. So you could get that, that benefit. Like if I was uh, in a state that didn't have the, the had state income tax, like California, for instance, and if I was, if I was working out all summer, um, in California, as well as uh, my residence uh, was in California, then okay, I'd be subjected to that high-ass California state tax. Yes. But if I could work out here in the state of Nevada, then okay, I can prove that the majority of my time is in Nevada, and therefore I won't have to pay state tax. And a lot of times uh, that was the case, but I think it's changed now because of the jock tax and the fact that they're going to tax you wherever you play a game and stuff like that. So um, it, it's more conducive uh, to be around a facility, to be honest with you, to work out with everybody. Uh, and if, so be it. If you're in Nevada, then that's an advantage for you. Uh, and I think uh, the Raiders can take advantage of that for sure with uh, with that kind of a sales pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are making that very, very uh, sales pitch. Mike, thanks so much for uh, dropping by and spending some time in the huddle. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I always learn something, and I really, truly appreciate that. Uh, keep up the great work, um, and we will talk to you down the road, man. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Vinny. Sounds good, man. You got it. That's Mike Pritchard. Uh, he is uh, the co-host of Pritch and Clay right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM from 7 AM uh, to 10 AM every single morning. Uh, listen to them. Uh, it's a great show. It's a great way to wake up uh, and get your Raider fix uh, the day after uh, and, and, and get a uh, the perspective uh, of what happened the night before bright and early in the morning. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Butter. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I think my biggest thing has just been... uh... I want to I wanna really tone up. I got up to the weight that I wanted to get to. Now it's time to really slim it down. I think uh, the biggest thing for me, man, is just my IQ. You know, my football IQ is something that's been, I've been honing in on a lot. You know what I mean? Not just, you know, my get off and my athleticism, but do I know um, slide protection? Do I know what I, what the center's going? Do I know when I got the one-on-one? And I feel like that takes out a lot of thinking for, especially young players, and especially someone like me who, you know, when I come in on third down, I'm the guy that's kind of telling everybody, um, you know, where we got to be, where we got to cover up spots and where we got to um, watch out for, we got to run a quarterback. So I think my IQ been the biggest thing for sure. That's Raiders third year defensive end, uh, Cleve Farrell, um, talking yesterday after uh, the second day of OTAs, uh, third phase uh, of OTAs over at the facility in, in Henderson. Uh, by the way, you're in the huddle of Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, and, you know, what he's basically saying is, you know, that, that intellectual side, we talked about this yesterday, 
being able to have a command creates confidence. When you're when you have a command of something, I don't care what it is that you do writing, you know, for, for, for me. You know, when I first started covering the Raiders, I didn't know the roster. Like I was just covering the the, uh, the Rams for three, four years. You know, I, I knew them intimately. I knew, you know, their backup long snapper, you know, not that they really had one, but that's what I'm talking about. The people in the front office, you know, who did what. Um, and so you, when you're writing, you're writing from a, a, a command point of a subject that you know inside and out. Well, for a while, I didn't know, you know, uh, anything necessarily about the Raiders. Derek Carr, John Gruden, you know, the basics. Uh, but the, no, the the nooks and crannies and, um, and, and uh, the, the players knowing them by face and all of that kind of stuff and what they did, what their background was. It was always trying to stop. Go look it up. Stop. You know. You know. Try. What. What. What is that? You know. And 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 who? What school did he go to? You know. Where. Where was he drafted? You know. And and all these things that that just it causes or, or creates this little lack of confidence that you might have that you normally would over something that you have a great command of, and it makes you a little bit tentative. Naturally, so um, you know um, because you just you, you don't you're not you don't have that complete level of comfort to just let it fly and whatever it is that you do in life it applies i just mentioned you know uh with me as 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 a reporter covering a team cover something specific as the beat writer uh, being able to come on the radio two hours a day and, and now talk about the raiders in a way that i feel pretty comfortable to be able to do it i don't know everything uh but i but i having done it now for going on to a second year feel much much better about things you look at a Clee Farrell uh, who talked about the process of getting his body right and he wants to shed a little weight now probably to increase some quickness um, he's got the power he's got the athletic ability uh, you know he has an understanding uh, of, of what it is um, that his position entails and how it relates to people around him and the players around him and what scheme you're talking about and what the front is looking like and what your responsibility is on that particular play, whatever the coverage defensive call might be. Um, but it's, it's, it's going from having an understanding of all of those intricacies and, and schemes and responsibilities to now mastering it, even in a new system, um, even in a new system, and, and he'll get there uh, with the particulars of this system, but in a general sense of his position in the NFL and having a much greater command of it, which will allow him also uh, to be able to play more freely uh, with less thinking and more doing. Uh, and it just helps. Uh, it's it's it, it it goes without saying, to be honest with you. Um, and you know he's getting to that point, and I think that it's an important step. And this is a process. Um, you know, we look at guys wherever they're drafted and into the NFL, and and you you kind of expect that they should have you know this perfect command of everything that's going on from day one, and it just doesn't work that way. Um, it, 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 it's a process to get there. Um, and, and every year you're trying to, to work on a particular part of your game or your body or, um, you know, remember what we talked about yesterday, how, um, you know, the great ones don't work on their strengths. Yes, they, they maintain it. Um, they make sure to stay sharp on their strengths. But really, 
uh, when they're in the lab during the off-season, away from all of our prying eyes and notebooks and tape recorders and phones and all that, trying to tape everything and take pictures of it and videos and TVs, TV cameras, all that, away from all of that, the great ones understand the importance of working on their flaws. What is it that you don't do as well? And try to fix that and try to get it to a point where even if it's just passable, even if it's just average, to be able to add that to what you do at an elite level. And make no mistake, everybody in this league does something at an elite level. And sometimes there's players that do multiple things you know, at, a, at an elite level. Um, but when you can get your flaws, the weaknesses that teams hone in on, and it goes without saying that Everybody knows what everybody's weaknesses are and they're going to attack them and attack them and attack them and try to drive things toward those weaknesses to take advantage of those weaknesses. What is football? What is any sport for that matter? What you're doing as an offense is exploiting matchups, is exploiting weaknesses that you find in a defense. And so you're going to go right at that weakness. It's the same as... With, with players with whatever their skill set is and you know um, what it is that they don't do well whether it's run coverage or whatever the case might be teams are going to try to exploit that and the best thing that you can do for yourself as a player is to strengthen the areas that you're not as proficient at uh, and then add that to what you do really well and then you become more of a complete player and then oh by the way it's harder and harder and harder for opposing teams to find something in you to exploit at a level that makes sense to go right at it. Um, after a while, it becomes a waste of time. So they'll have to find something else to try uh, to exploit. And so Clee Farrell now talking about that process uh, that he's undergone these last couple of years. And now he's getting to that point where it's the, it's the intelligence Level just before I came on the show, I was watching a video of uh, Aaron Donald, uh, the Rams defensive tackle, uh, was doing a, a workout, and there were some college kids around him. There was a college kid, I think he was from Notre Dame, as a matter of fact, uh, asking him, um, you know, for some finer points of pass rushing, and 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 Aaron gave like a tutorial on what to look for, slide protections, where where it's go, where the play is going to, and and all these little. These little things, and I'm sure the kid's head was kind of spinning, but you could see that he was also absorbing um, what Aaron was saying, and hopefully he takes that back to his campus uh, and can be a better player uh, as a result. Uh, but there's so much of a mental side to all of this. It's not just the physicality. It's not just the speed. Uh, somebody told me a long time ago, uh, it was an NFL coach actually, you know, about, you know, when you're looking at, at somebody and, you know, let's say it's a linebacker that, that runs a 4-4 and has all the size and all the everything that you're looking for from a skill set standpoint and comparing him to somebody that maybe is a 4-6. And obviously, uh, on the surface of things, when you write it down, when you look at it at paper, that 4-4, without question, looks a whole lot better than the 4-5 or the 4-6, right? Obviously, it does. Everything else being equal, you're going to, you're going to, your, your eye is going to go right to that 40 and, and just it, it just jumps out at you. But what this NFL uh, was actually a general manager said to me was, look, if that 4-4 guy is consistently 
off the snap of the ball, taking the wrong first step because he's not seeing it the way he needs to see it. That 4-4 speed has been completely negated. It doesn't mean anything at that point because he's already a step behind because he took the wrong first step because he wasn't seeing things clearly. As opposed to a guy that might not be a 4-4 guy, maybe he's a 4-5, 4-6 guy, but if he's consistently taking the right step off the right read by seeing it and reading it correctly and taking that decisive first step to put himself in a, in a better position, now he's made up for the speed that he doesn't necessarily have. He's already kind of put himself in a better direction or, or a better situation. Now, ideally, you want to be able to read it and be fast and have all those other things and have it all going for you. That's where you come across the Lawrence Taylors, you know, of the world, the Ray Lewis's of the world, guys that can run, guys that can see it, guys that were smart, super smart, um, and could do everything athletically uh, and, and, and physically and all of that. Um, when it comes together on that level, you've got a superstar, you've got a Hall of Famer. Not everybody's going to be a Hall of Famer, um, but there's guys that can take themselves right out of a play and negate all of their physical attributes. And there's guys that can enhance um, or, or, or compensate for some of their maybe physical flaws by just being really smart off the off the ball. And so, um, you know, it's it's really interesting. And, and you you look at a guy like Cleve Farrell, who does have the power. He does have the speed. He's a massive dude, man. When you see him up close and, and, and personal. Uh, working out uh, against you know his his teammates on the offensive line and the power that he's able to bring is pretty impressive. Uh, but now, as he said, it's not just about being you know uh, physically better than everybody else. It's also now about implementing the mind into it as well. And if he can get there, which I've always said this about Cleve Farrell. Whatever his ceiling is, he's going to get there. And I'll tell you why, because it means a lot. It means enough to him. And he's willing to put the work in. Um, and I go back to that first season that I was covering the Raiders. It was the exit interview uh, in 2019. And he sat there at his locker and talked about his season. And it wasn't anywhere near what he wanted it to be, obviously. He'd gotten sick. There were, a lot, there were things that you know, worked against him, whatever. But he said, I'm going home. And when I come back and you guys see me next, I'm going to be a different, I'm going to look different. I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to play different. I'm going to improve. I'm going to get better. And you know what? Whatever Raider Nation wants to say, um, looking just strictly at sacks and saying, well, you know, he, he wasn't, he, he didn't play against, he had a good season. He had a very good season, actually. Um, and... He's a much better player than, than Raider Nation gives him credit for. Some people in Raider Nation give him credit for. Um, if he can now add a couple more finer points to his game, part of it being the mental side of it, uh, and I think the mental side of it in terms of being a better pass rusher goes hand in hand. If he can marry those two, all of those things together, then all of a sudden uh, some of those stats that people... Um, focus in on uh, that maybe he hasn't been been putting up those kind of numbers he's been doing a lot of other things really well but if he could also now add a, a few more sacks to the equation all of a sudden fans are going to go oh wow you know they're going to they're going to look at that um and and maybe hopefully 
also be able to focus in on, on things that he's doing really, really good. But, um, you know, for, for him to come into this season and start taking more of a leadership role and talking about, um, you know, sick losing, adding some, you know, uh, getting better in terms of the intelligence uh, aspect of the game. It's, 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 it's really important because this, so much of this is mental. Um, and we talked about it, having a command and, and allowing that command and that intelligence create the kind of confidence to be able to just let it fly, man, and know that you're gonna be in the right place because you've practiced it, you've learned it, you understand it, you have a confidence level in it, and when, when you have all of that going for you up in the head, you're gonna end up in the right place because it's, it's, it's just gonna guide you there. It's just gonna guide you there. Um, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Nevada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. straight out uh, to the Raider Nation listener line uh, because Bernard is on the line and he wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Bernard? Hey, Vinny, how you doing? I'm doing good, my man. Hey, I just wanted to uh, chime in real quick. What people got to understand something about the Raiders and their losing and so have you and putting so much of the stuff on the quarterback. Obviously, we know, you know they, the win-loss record goes to the quarterback and nobody else. And it's a hidden statistic that a lot of people don't talk about. This field position. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. I think out of the 16 games that the Raiders played, I think I read they only started, they only had one game where they started on the opposite, on, on the opponent's side of the 50. So if you take that into account, that means the Raiders are always receiving the ball, you know, on the 25-yard line or, or the 50, you know, and be in their own territory. So they're, they're Average starting drives are always, you know, in, in the negative. So just give Derek Carr a short field some of the time. You know what I mean? You don't even have to be every possession. Give him a short field with these weapons, and he can put up even better numbers than he had last year. And you look at, you know, the, the good offices, the, the, when the defense is helping out, that's when you get those advantages when you get good field position, and people don't ever talk about that. And another girl. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. And I want to uh, add one more thing with Cleveland Farrell. People got to stop looking at the stats with this guy and watch him play football. When I watch him play football, man, he can be a dominant player. I mean, he got sick the year before and lost all that weight. And then last year he got hurt and got COVID. So when you watch him play, Mike Pritchard just mentioned it. He said he went up against Quentin Nelson and seen him go toe-to-toe with him. Just watch him play football and don't look at the stat sheets and say, and look at how many sacks he got, so on and so forth. When he had that span, when he was healthy for a couple of games, he was a difference maker. So once he gets healthy, I think we're going to be able to see him really just just flourish. And he has a good attitude. He has a great body, great work ethic, and came from a, a great program. I just can't wait to see this guy blossom. He's finally getting the system. And a lot of our players are getting a system that really fits them. So I think this defense got a chance to really, really be good. 
and then we can have a complete team. We already got a good punter. We got a good kicker. We got a good offense. Get this defense on track, and I think they can make some real, real big strides. Well, thanks for the call, Bernard, and you, you hit on a lot of good points, and you're you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, and to take a take a step further on on Clee, the Raiders' defense, you know, obviously it struggled uh, for the good part of the year, but it was even worse when Clee Farrell wasn't on the field, and you know, unfortunately, due to COVID nineteen, which oh by the way was no joke when it came to Clee Farrell, and he'll tell you that. Um, that took a big bite out of him, uh, and then there was a there was a, a, an injury as well. But prior to those issues, this dude was grading out right on the cusp. I think he was. I think he kind of plateaued, and it was, he was consistently there uh, when he was healthy, right around a number twelve uh, defensive defensive end in the league um, during that duration. Uh, and then there were a couple of setbacks. I think he finished the season, uh, uh, you know, by virtue of pro football uh, focus. Um, at number 16, but that took into account, you know, where he was physically and everything like that after coming back from COVID and dealing with the injury that he dealt with. And so if you, if you're absolutely right, uh, and, and really what we're only talking about is the sack total, um, because everywhere else, he's a very proficient, efficient player. Um, you know, he grades out really well. And, you know, we had Bruce Gradkowski on yesterday from Pro Football Focus. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, just as an example, how deep it goes when they do their positional uh, gradings. And Derek Carr was top 10 in under pressure, under duress, this kind of throw, that kind of throw. Um, there were, they don't just look at the final stats and make their determination. They, they look at specific situations and, spe- and, and, and they get intricate on um, the situations that they're grading on. Um, and so... It's 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 really it gets pretty darn deep, and so when a pro football focus says, you know, um, Cleve Farrell is grading out as the 16th best defensive end, and prior to that, prior to all the issues, he was right around top 12. Without getting all those sacks, um, it's a pretty big deal, and he is a good football player. And as Bernard said, just watch, just focus in on him and and what he does. And I actually think. In this system that that the Raiders are turning to right now, I think they're going to be asking him to do slightly different things. There were some technical uh, uh, issues last year, and you know Lincoln Kennedy, our, our co-host during the season, talked about it a lot how the defensive ends were positioned and angled uh, in their in their kind of run support, and it it just seemed kind of counterintuitive. Uh, and, and, and in doing so, it took those guys out of position sometimes. Uh, we felt, um, I don't think you're going to see that as much this year uh, with Gus Bradley and now Rod Marinelli kind of carrying out Gus Bradley's vision. But you're, he's, he's a good, uh, a, 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 he was a borderline very good player last year, period. And if he adds sacks, that's going to draw more attention. And I think people are going to start realizing um, what a capable player uh, he, he, he truly is. And you made a great point too, Bernard, about field position. Uh, you know, when, when you only get 15 turnovers, I think it is, it's absurd. Uh, the Raiders need to get that into the high 20s. Um, they really need to, to be a, more of a ball-hawking, aggressive, turnover-creating defense because it goes right to Bernard's point. Um, you know, it's not going to be every time that you're, that you're forcing turnovers on the better side of the field, you know, beyond the other team's 50. But there's going to be plenty of times if you increase those turnovers, the odds are uh, that more of those turnovers will happen on the positive side of the field. So it's less 
real estate that the offense is going to have to deal with. You start doing that on a more consistent basis, getting your your um, your offense the ball in more favorable field goal, field positions. It's just gonna that's going to add up. That's a big deal actually. And not only that, but you know um, your defense is going to have to score some points. You know <laughs> your defense is going to have to score some points. I always remember. The first year covering um, the, the, the Rams and um, Jeff Fisher and the offense, it was just terrible. And it was during the OTAs, and Greg Robinson was the defensive coach or uh, uh, was was the defensive coordinator um, for the Rams. All right, and uh, and I'm over on their sidelines, uh, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you, you, it was like you were literally standing on the sideline, and you could hear everything um, uh, that uh, that the coaches were saying. And it's not Greg Robinson. I'm gonna get the name here in a second, but um, uh, he turns at one point after watching the the um, uh, the Rams' offense during a, a long period of 11 on 11 uh, drills, uh, watching, seeing how inept that offense was. He turned around. And looked at his defensive players and said, "Guys, we're gonna have to score touchdowns this year." <laughs> and it was like this moment of just truth, and it was so hilarious. Um, uh, and and you, and they sure enough did because I think that offense averaged about 16 points per game uh, that year. So anyway, um, it, it was it was hilarious. But it sure would help if the Raiders' defense could come up with more turnovers. And maybe even score a few uh, points uh, along the way as uh, as well, because you need everybody contributing uh, in all sorts of phases. It's not just sometimes about getting the other team off the field, which the Raiders absolutely need to do a better job of, uh, but also getting the ball back to te- to, to the offense um, in, in in more favorable positions, and maybe even taking it to the house uh, more frequently. Just want to say thanks to Mike Pritchard uh, and Jesse Merrick, uh, our two guests. Uh, always appreciate having both of those guys. Uh, drop off, drop by, and, and spend some time with us in the huddle. Always dropping uh, great knowledge and insight. Uh, really, truly appreciate that. Want to say thanks to the callers. As usual, you guys bring it um, with with all your calls. Thank you so much. Thanks to Devon Cotton for making us sound good uh, back at home base. Appreciate you, brother. You know that. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, four to six p.m. Uh, to wrap up the week and the first week of Phase Three of OTAs. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Is brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>